This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. It's so good to be with you. Thank God. There's no better day. I like, I like what Pastor David said earlier. Uh, I'll say it my way. There's no better day to be a Christian and uh, to live in this level of darkness and deception. All over the world, it's not just one place or another. It's preparation for the Antichrist to appear and, uh, and do what he can to steal the souls from the earth. Don't you feel bad for him? It's not going to work very well. And it's not going to work very well for you because you're walking with God. Say amen. amen. Tell somebody, say, I'm a Christian. There's not a thing you can do about it. Not a thing. Praise God. Not a thing. It's good to see you. Man, this worship and praise was good. It's too short. It's too short, but it's good. See, when it's good, you can go longer. When it's no good, it's like, just go short. Now, listen, you're, you're listening to the guy. What happened? Oh, man, there's a lot of help around here. Maybe you all just stand here and help me get through this. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for that. Amen. Let's see what this says. Oh, I might need this. That's my sermon. But I go by this white side right here, so I don't know. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, uh, to have worship like this and praise and have a facility like this, have good pastors, you know, and uh, good leadership in the church, good believers to be your friends. In a dark day like this, this is pretty awesome, guys. And uh, I know you know it. And if uh, you travel with me for a while, now I go to some pretty good places. But I go to preach in some other places, it's like I should come back here more often. Because they need a little bit extra help, you know. But uh, you're doing really good. Thank God for you. And don't ever let the Antichrist steal your soul. He'll never give up on you. The devil, he's going to chase you until you take your last breath to try to steal you from the church, get you away from the shepherds, get you away from the Bible. Right? And, uh, yeah. And so don't let him do it. Everybody say, don't let him do it. Turn to someone else. I know I'm not going to do it. So turn to someone else and say, just don't let him do it. Tell him, just don't let him do it. Amen. Now, you weren't very convincing. But uh, that's what we do now is we admonish one another. Right? We provoke, the Bible says, one another to good works. Because there's a lot of stuff out there, right, that, dis- that wants, wants to discourage you, even depress you frustrate you, all this fear, anxiety, and then uncertainty of what's coming next and what are we going to do about it and and what on earth is happening, you know. I had a senator ask me this. I ministered to a lot of government people. And he said, hey, Doc, what on earth is happening? What's going on? What, what, where are things going? I said, an end. This is the end. Read your Bible. We're in the climax of the ages right now. Look around the world. Everything the Bible predicted that would happen just before the coming of Christ is happening right now. We don't know. We could go to heaven from right here. Sure. I hope you have your relatives ready in case you're missing. I believe this with all my heart. 
And, uh, and uh, yeah, and so here we are in our duty, even as this church, all true churches. I know that's funny to say, but there are churches that I wouldn't call true churches. All true churches have a duty now under Christ to climax the ages, to close the ages, to close out the time of the church. Right? And then, hey, look up. He's coming for us. Hey, there's no way he's leaving us here. Can I have a better amen on it? That was a perfect place to say amen. Amen. And so you got to be ready for that. Right? Now, some people mistake the catching away of the church or what I call the last appearance of Jesus Christ. They mistake that for the second coming. I'm not saying you do. You're pretty well taught here. But the second coming, you, if you're here for that, you are naughty. If you're here to watch uh, the tribulation period unfold for seven years, there's not something right about you. There's something that didn't work about you. You don't want to be here for that. Those are not going to be pretty days. Can I? Do you know what I mean? Say amen if you know what I mean. But the last appearance, remember, we just came through Holy Week. And I heard Pastor David talk about Resurrection Sunday. Well, Jesus ascended after that. You know, we call it the the arrest, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And he's at the right hand of the Father. Remember what Acts says? They... Uh, the, these disciples, think about these early disciples. You, you know this, you're Bible people. This is not a big news flash to you, but it was to them. So this Jesus comes, and uh, it, not just things change out here, but in here, these young disciples, they've never seen anything like this. They've never felt anything like meeting Jesus Christ. And then to watch what he did, come on, blind eyes open, death raised, walked on water, and on goes, are you kidding, cleanse lepers? Um, this changed their life forever. And then, he, then, in their mind, they killed him. He's dead. They rolled it, they threw him in the tomb, you know, and he's dead. They watched this. And then, not too long after that, he is resurrected from the dead. Not everybody was there for that. In fact, if my Bible knowledge is right, there were two Roman soldiers, and they were, there was an angel, and there was Jesus Christ for the resurrection. The, the, the disciples, the lady disciples went there after he had been raised from the dead. So he gets raised from the dead. He's just like he said. Can I help you something? You're all looking like, yeah, 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 we know this. Tell us something we don't know, Reverend. Yeah, but these early disciples... They didn't know any of this. They had no Bible like that. This had never been preached to them before. The story had, it hadn't happened yet. Don't tell me this didn't have the tendency, excuse the phrase, to blow their minds. He really did come alive again. This is really heavy duty. And then, he appears to them. Remember? He appears to this group of disciples. First, he, first he appeared to, you know, Martha, Mary the, in the garden. Then he appeared to that group. Then he came in the, what we would call the upper room, and he literally asked, what do you got to eat here? 
Remember, because he promised, listen, uh, I, I won't eat with you disciples again till I'm in my father's kingdom. Well, he was in his father's kingdom, raised from the dead. And so he said, well, I'm here to prove to you that everything I said is coming or has come to pass. Everybody say yay. yay. But then while he's talking to the men, the disciples on the Damascus road, the Bible says he was lifted up. And he went in a cloud while he's talking to them. This is like, see, for you and me, it's like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've been taught that. But these, these, these disciples, they had never even read about anything like this happening before. And then God had to send two angels in white raiment. To come and tap on their shoulders. Hey, hey, you men from Galilee? They didn't look. They're like, yeah? Why are you standing here gazing up? Which means staring. Ah, uh, because, you know, he was here and he was dead and then he got raised again and then he appeared and, and appeared and now he disappeared again into that, in, up there. And the angel said, the same way he went, he's coming again. He's coming again. Right? Yeah, he's coming again. What's that mean? Well, it means he's going to have a cloud of witnesses. It also means he'll be talking to us. When he left those disciples, he was talking to them. And he this won't be this instant surprise. You might have the length of a twinkling in an eye. But the Lord will be talking to you about this very thing, that he's coming for you. He's not leaving you here. We're not prepping the earth. We're prepping the souls of men to go to heaven, not live down here. Now, a good shepherd, and you got pastors here, good ones, they're going to teach you how to overcome today, how to beat the elements of the day, what to do about this, what to do about... That's also our assignment. So the, the, Why do we do that, doctor? So that Satan cannot steal you from Jesus Christ through all this trouble, worry, struggle, disaster, crisis, pain, sickness, disease. Yeah, yeah. You stick with him and you'll live the same miracle life that, say, we witnessed with Pastor Bernie, for example. Or the testimony I just heard about no more cancer. Talk about three powerful words. No more cancer. Those are powerful words, man. May you never get it or anything like it, but if you do, may you be able one day to say, no more cancer, or whatever the disease might be. But then the Bible says, in the same way he went, in the sky, in the clouds, he'll be coming back. Now, that's not the second coming. It's the catching away of the church, or what I call the last appearance. He's going to appear one more time. Are you looking for him? You're supposed to be. You're supposed to keep your eyes on him. And the Bible says more than one place, look up. Why look up? You can't see heaven from here. Because Our hope of glory is that one day he's coming back through the cloud of witnesses, the angels, and he's going to hover over us. He doesn't touch down. Think about that. He doesn't. It's not the second coming. Second coming, he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. 
Go with me to Israel sometime and we'll go there and stand about where he's going to put his foot down in the second coming. But this time he stays in the sky and we see him there. And whatever the shout is, come up here. You know, it's not a real quiet event. It says, you know, that there'll be the shout from heaven, the archangel, the blowing of the trumpet. Does that sound quiet to you? Loud. It's not going to be a... Pastor David, tell the church about my way. Be be real quiet about it. We don't want a sinner to know. No, man, this is going to be a blowing of a trumpet. I have a feeling that heaven's trumpet is a little bit louder than what any man could blow it down here. And the shout's got to be just earth-shattering shout. And it'll be, you know what it'll be? It'll get your attention so fast, you'll jerk up, and there he will be. And it says we join him in the air. And so will we ever be with him thereafter. Woo! That I'm looking forward. Just let me tell you right now, I am on my way to heaven. Say it. I am on my way to heaven. It's a much better place than this. No, no, don't look at me with that tone of face. I'm not suicidal or nothing. It's nothing like that. I'm going to walk out my life every day. Every day I can for Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But, but I tell my, I tell our kids, you know, you know, my kids are all grown up and in the ministry like your kids. And, uh, I tell them, you know, listen, if I die and uh, you try to raise me from the dead, you better hope to God you fail. Cause if I come alive again, you better run for your life. Cause a man should only have to pass through this crud one time. And once you do, and you're on the other side, and you're with Jesus Christ, I better not hear one friend, one child, one grandchild, one intercessor saying, Mark, come back, because if I do, I'm going to hurt you and ask God to forgive me later. That might be your personal rapture day right there. I'm in love with heaven. I don't like the earth. I live here. And I'm glad for, for, you know, walking with God. But if you think this is some permanent home with all this trash, hey, just in my years of living here, you know how fast things have deteriorated? How dark and dirty this has really become? Now, you can call me old if you want to. I'm almost as old as Pastor Bernie. Hey, just because he married this young chick doesn't mean that it isn't my fault he's had four facelifts and a couple of things, you know, to keep him going. Uh, we're just old buddies carrying on. But in my lifetime, we, we never dreamed years ago that we would kill millions of babies right in women's wombs. It was on, it, you couldn't even comprehend that. Now it's everyday stuff. It shouldn't be for you and me, but it seems like it is. We never dreamed that they would take our tax dollars and pay for other people to have sex changes. But they are. We never dreamed, and I can go down the list, but it kind of is disgusting and it makes me angry. So I'm going to stop right there. But we no, this this thing just in my lifetime, 69 years in my lifetime on the earth. 
Look how fast this has turned evil and dark and wicked and anti-Christ. Don't mistake it. It's not anti-religion. There's no anti-religion. And then it's something that the heresy, the greatest heresy among humans is the separation of church and state. It does not exist except for man made it up and wants you and me believe it's a law. But it is not. Go study for yourself. But isn't it something that it is um, separation of church and state and not religion? When we're the only religion that uses the word church? Christianity is the only religion that uses the word ecclesia in English, church. This is not anti-religion. This is anti-Christ. This is meant to steal your Christianity, the only way to heaven, and to stop everyone else from giving their life to Christ. You're getting it, right? But here we are. That's why we're on our way to heaven, guys. Don't mistake that. That's why we've got to take every soul with us that we possibly can. Say, I am on my way to heaven, and I'm taking with me every soul that I can. So help me, God. Raise a hand and say, so God, help me on that. Help that to be true. Praise God. Well, I brought a Bible today. Now, that wasn't just all warm up. Some people look like he's just now that. What was he doing? He's just now starting to preach. No, no. I brought my short sermon today. Yeah, I'm going to preach only about two hours. Thank you. That was so nice. Most of you were being hypocrites and you didn't mean it because you're already hungry, but it was still nice. Isaiah 60. Let's look at this for a minute. This is a amen. This is all in line with what we're talking about. This is the Old Testament prophet. The prophet Isaiah saw as much about the day that you and I live in as any other prophet of God, New or Old Testament. God somehow really revealed to this prophet what was coming in the day that you and I live in. This day, today, and if we, we can say 2021. Are you there, Isaiah 60? Tell me the first two words in verse 1. That's correct. And arise doesn't mean stand up. Like rise. This is arise. This means inside. This is our day to rise up on the inside, not be depressed, not be downtrodden, not be confused. You with me? Now, that's that's easier said than done. I mean, during this whole I hate to say it's like a cuss word to me now during this whole covid thing and all these lockdowns uh, and then that's bad enough. Then we had all these so-called prophets. Some of them are prophets. I wish the, I wish some of them would just repent and say I missed it. And uh, it, but what it did to the body of Christ, maybe not you, I don't know. But what it did to the body of Christ is that it brought them to a place where they expected God. Now hear me on something. They expected God to do some maneuver among humans that would change everything. Hear me, just like the Jews thought Jesus would do. They were, they couldn't understand why he rode to town on a mule or a donkey. 
instead of a stallion. They wanted him to take over and smite the Roman army. I saw this happening. And you know what happened? We got oblonged as the church world. People knew more about CNN and Fox News and the everyday report on D.C. and the troops and the National Guard and the election. And the, I mean, there are people that half know. They don't hardly know five verses in their Bible, but they had counting and voting machines memorized. They don't, they hardly know the name Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Peter, James, John, but they knew the name Fauci, Gates, and on goes the list. I thought, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we can't ignore these things, but this is pulling us out of pocket. And what, you know what happened? I, you do, because you live here on the earth. You ever, I say it this way. You ever try to bowl with a football? I barely bowl with a round ball. In fact, for me to get a good score bowling, I need my lane and yours. You, you, if you never bowl, don't worry about that. But We got oblonged. Thank God we began to see it and we began to pull back in. I actually told our home church, the headquarters church we call it in Michigan, I told everybody, I don't want to hear the word COVID. I don't want to hear the word overreach. I don't ever want to hear my governor's name again. I don't want to hear your governor's name again. I don't want to hear the, I don't want to hear about voting machines. I don't want to hear about fraudulent election. I know it's out there. I'm not in denial. What am, I said, this is what I want to hear. I want to hear all of you church people saying the word Jesus, the angels, forgiveness, the blood of the lamb, the word of God, tithing, giving, praying, worshiping. Amen. Cause that's the only thing that's going to get us back to the center. And making Jesus the center again of our life. I don't think any of us denied him. That wasn't the case. We are, we probably been crying out more to God than we ever have been. Help for our nation. Help for ourselves. Help for our churches. Sure. I see that. But it still oblonged us. And I'm glad. I could tell when I come in here today, the anointing that's here and the way you all handle yourself that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say this church is oblonged. If it was, it isn't anymore. And we're not ever going to let anything do that to us again. Right? Say, I am the blood washed, and I am the redeemed. And there is nothing, and nobody, including the devil, that can do anything about that. Someone said, oh my God, Brother Barclay. What are we going to do if, uh, you know, Mr. Trump isn't the president anymore and someone else is? I don't want to say his name, but and someone else is. I said, well, you know, in my lifetime, we've had a couple of really good presidents. Just thinking back, you know, every four years. We've had a couple of really, like, bad presidents. And then we just had a whole bunch of presidents. They come, they sign things, they tear up things, they start things, and the next guy comes and tears up what that guy did and starts other things and stops those things. And they don't really go down in history as much, you know. And so I said, and whether we have a good president or not such a good president or whether or not we just have a president, The church seems to just march on just fine. 
They don't know what to do with us. They don't. Believe me. They don't know what to do with us. The government doesn't know what to do with us. The presidency doesn't know what to do with us. And once in a while you see a president, like say, um, well, I won't say names. Once in a while you have a president and he gets people around him praying or, or, or like our last president got born again. He certainly wasn't a disciple. But, uh, but, but there is proof that he gave his life to Christ and that he, you know, started to fall in love with Jesus and actually had a Bible. And he had a Bible before that, they say, but he started reading the Bible. So I would say, just as a Christian leader, that Mr. Trump got born again. But uh, uh, he wouldn't qualify to be in our youth group as far as spiritual <laughs> growth, right? We would, he, because no one made a disciple. Every, all of us have the right, when you're born again, for the real church to make a disciple out of you. So that you can walk with Christ, clean up your act. So I'm not picking on Mr. Trump or nothing. I'm just saying the facts of where we live right now. Now this said, arise and shine, not hide and be depressed. Why The election didn't go the way I wanted to, and so I'm just deeply depressed. Where was God? How come these prophets were wrong? I thought this. I prayed that. Well, I read this article. Yeah, but I watched the Internet. Some guy literally called me and said, Brother Barclay, do you know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of troops from China on the Canadian border that are going to attack America? I said, How'd they get there? How'd they get there? How'd they get under our radar? How'd they get away from our ships? Now, you might smuggle in a dozen troops in any country, but the number they're calling for would take airplanes and ships and bases set up. And they just aren't there. There were no... Train of Chinese ships dropping off troops and supplies and tanks and weapons. Not, not recorded even by one satellite. So I know the Chinese claim to be smart, but are you trying to tell me they just appeared? So what are you saying, Doc? I'm saying that these things were meant to steal our light, to steal our joy. We don't, a lot of the body, a lot of preachers were not shining anymore. This said, arise on the inside. Find the joy of God on the inside. Knowing that whatever's going on, God is still going to help the church. I know this for sure. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. Not all churches. (coughs) My church. And what? Tell me. And the gates of hell will what? Not. Now prevail, you military people know. You law enforcement know. To prevail means there was a battle. And you won it. They tried to overcome you and they didn't. You prevailed in that fight. Jesus said, no, the gates of hell. Now, gates means, gates means authorities. The gatekeepers. The authorities. And what Jesus was saying, no authority now, all the way to the entry gatekeepers of hell and Satan himself cannot stop me from building my church. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, you know what's cool about that? You are the church. 
You are the church. I mean, you have a nice church building here. I like it, don't you? And what you've done with it is, is extraordinary. It's wonderful. But when the Lord said, I'll build my church, he wasn't talking about facilities. Let me help you with something else. He didn't say church growth. Everybody in modern times thinks that when you grow a church or, or you build a church, you got to have church growth. Well, we want church growth. We believe for church growth because most everybody sitting in chairs in here, you're an answer to prayer. Someone prayed you in here, believe it or not. You are God's answer to many prayers that we would be able to win the area and that you would give your life to Christ. You become trained. You become a great disciple. And then you help us go win other people in the area. So, yeah, the Lord's for church growth. One day he added thousands of people to the church through the born again experience. Hallelujah. Praise God. But that's not what he meant by that verse. This is you and me. He's talking about building you. You're the church. He said, I will build my church, Josh. You could literally say, Joshua, I will build you. I will change you from what you were to what I want you to be. I will give you character. I will give you morals. I will give you strength. I will give you stamina. You will walk by faith and not by fear. I will change your mouth. You will speak life and not death. I will put healing in your hands for other people, and the list goes on. I'm going to build you up, Josh. So this is Jesus. I'm going to build you up so that nothing, no storm of life, no crisis, no disaster, no wicked spirit, not the devil himself will be able to prevail against you if you walk with me and let me do it. Clap real good. Come on. Clap real good. Well, you know, this is a powerful text we're reading. It says, arise and shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. And the glory, oh, I like this. And the glory of the Lord, what? And it goes on to say, verse 2, that even though darkness would be so dark. Don't you get it? I know you do. People are doing things to people today that aren't human. This stuff isn't human. This is so twisted and, and so filthy and immoral. And, and, you know, sometimes I just call it stupid. I have a big sign that says, stop stupid. And I picked that up in the early part of COVID because, no offense, I don't mean to be critical, but I live here on the planet. I watch Christians be stupid. I watch preachers be stupid. I certainly watch government officials do some stupid stuff. And I'm still dealing with stupid around the world. Uh, You see it too. So I just say, I'm just going to make me a big sign that says stop stupid. And uh, if maybe I might change all my billboards around the area uh, where I live that says just stop stupid. Because it seems to be hurting us more than what some virus did. Okay, maybe it's just me, but that's where I'm at on it. But this says, this, this tells us, this guy saw it way before Jesus was ever born. Darkness would cover the earth. And gross darkness. Now, gross doesn't mean, oh, yeah, ah, that's gross. No, it means the total of all. Nothing could be worse. Nothing could be darker. Nothing could be more demonic. Gross darkness would get on people. So it's prophesied. This isn't the only place that talks about two clouds. But it goes on to say, even though darkness will cover the earth. Now that means education. 
That means government, you know, the pillars of the earth, financial things, etc. Uh, the food chain, for example, the pillars of the earth. It says darkness will cover and get involved in all of that. Darkness doesn't mean like no sun, like nighttime. You know that. It means spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness. And then it says gross darkness will get on the people. But look at, look at, tell me what else it says. But what? Verse two. But the Lord. You're not looking at it. Verse two, for behold, darkness cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be what? Tell me out loud, what? Seen upon thee. Not just heard. Not just heard, seen upon you. Your countenance. It's like it. In planet Earth, it's like walking around the walking dead. People have their heads down. Their shoulders are rolled in. You talk to them. They're, they're either scared or they're, or, or they're isolating. We, a, lot of, a lot of churches, even faith churches, where we've been teaching how to trust God, some of those people have been in church 20, 25, 35 years. They were afraid to leave their home and come back to church. Fear has gripped them. Not, not proper caution. You're here. You use proper caution. You can sanitize at the door. You can you can uh, wear your mask. I mean, there's a way to do this. But they're so afraid. This thing has won over them. Now, this brings me to the book of Acts, which I love. Because the book of Acts is a record of the acts of the earliest preachers and disciples. That's what it means. In fact, the real name of the book of Acts is the, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. And, uh, that, the, those early disciples. And it says there, to match this, it says, Acts 1-8, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Say holy. There's a lot of other spirits, but we cling to the Holy One. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What else does it say? And you shall be witnesses. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be. Now, be isn't just talking. Sometimes when you say in the modern church about witnessing, they think of going door to door or telling your friend about Jesus, which is good. Do both. But this is not talking about us being sent out to talk to people. This is talking about a reformation. This is talking about conversion. This is talking about the very people that knew you before now see you. They see how you're living. They see what you're doing. See, they see it. They see that you're not doing what you used to do. Are you listening to me? That is my story to the max. Listen, if anybody ever tried to tell you there's not a real Jesus, send them to me. Because I got people that will tell you about the old Mark Barkley. Compared to the born again Mark Barkley and just the outward change that happened will convince anybody 
that there is a God in heaven if he can fix a broken mess like that. And uh, and to live sane, and to live healthy, and to live in victory, and to live in joy, and to go help somebody else, and, 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 and. Don't tell me there's no living Christ. Don't you let anybody tell you there's no living Christ. In fact, let me tell you this. Your light is so bright that if you will, if you will let it shine. Now, some people are embarrassed, or some people are shy. And that's like having the candle lit and putting a bushel bushel over top of it so no one can tell that you that you're a bright candle you get rid of that bushel you get that thing off from you you be bold as a lion time is short you got to win souls like you've never won souls before you have to live out loud say it i must live out loud not in secret we're not the secret army we're the bold loud goliath killers And we're the reapers of the earth. God has assigned you and me to be reapers of the earth. Thrust in your sickle, disciple, and start reaping uh, anybody you can. Family members, friends. i tell you something else. If you went to them before and they said no, go again. It's a whole new day. It's a whole new day. You might be surprised who ran you off last time and will open their arms to you today. i got to tell this quick story. I have a son in the faith who is a, who is a, uh, he's a policeman, a cop. And I say cop respectfully. And, uh, you know, uh, I have several sons like that across America and several in my church at home. But this particular one sent me a text the other morning. And he said, uh, hey pastor, I uh, pulled over a speeder. And when I got out of my car to go up to the door, he came out of the door which probably is not real wise in Michigan. I don't know how it works out here. But they like you to stay in your car and show you your hands, all ten fingers and ten toes if you can, so they know what you're up to. He said he come out of the car, so you know he's doing what he's trained to do because we don't know his intentions. And he said the guy stopped right in front of me, broke down weeping, and uh, and looked me in the eye and said, I'm going to hell. I know I'm going to hell forever. Can you help me? I said, man, if it works like this, I'm going to the police academy. <laughs> right? I mean, come on, man. I said, what'd you do? He goes, well, I, I just said, well, pray this prayer. So I led him to Christ right there. I said, now you gotta, you gotta hunt down my home church and you gotta go get baptized in water and get filled with the Holy Ghost. But for now, you're born again and you won't go to hell if you chase Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you. I said, I'll tell you what my mind said. Next time I get pulled over, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try that I'm going to hell thing. Then I thought, no, because what if the cop isn't a Christian? Number two, I'm never going to claim I'm going to hell. So I guess I'll just either get the ticket or stop speeding. Right? Now, I know all you holy, pure, spiritual drivers don't understand speeding. But the rest of us. Now, you'll never worry about Pastor Bernie getting a speeding ticket. Because we think his leg isn't long enough to even reach the accelerator. I mean, he does do it, but... Wow, I almost grew a beard from the jet to here this morning just trying to get here. I'm just enjoying my last time preaching here at uh, 
church for his own. These are, this is so pertinent to us guys. You're living, you are surrounded with a dark cloud, evil. This is, this is, this is deep evil. This is not a difference. This is no longer even a difference, we'll say, from what we call the left or the right, the liberals or the conservatives, or the religious church and the, and the, the spiritual church, or just the difference between sinners and saints. No, no, no. Now, that might have been true back in the 50s, maybe part of the early 60s. I grew up as a teenager in the 60s, and they say if you remember that, you really weren't there. You know, everybody was drunked up, drugged up, messed up. But this is what you're witnessing is evil. And you can't, listen to me, you can't stop it. Here, don't throw nothing yet. This is predicted by God. You can't stop what God predicted. But just remember, it isn't God doing it. Just because the law, the, just because the Lord saw it coming and tried to give you and me a warning, hey, this darkness is going to cover the earth. This gross darkness is good on people. That isn't telling us how smart God is. That's pre-warning us. Hey, there's something you can do about this so this darkness doesn't get you. It doesn't get your spouse. It doesn't get your marriage. It can't have your health. It can't even take your memory where you don't know your name anymore. It can't take your children, and it can't take your money because we're under a different covenant. Say, I am more than an earthling. That's right. You're born again. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're, you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. And the devil well knows it. So, what's our duty, Doc? Be a witness. Be one everywhere you go. Not just on the way to church. Not just when you feel like you want to be spiritual. You be one. So that people that know you, do you know you're being watched? You are. Every one of you, not just a guy like me or pastors, you're being watched. Your relatives are watching you to see if you're fake. Your friends, people you work with, your neighbors, they're watching you. Because you know why? Some of them are watching you because they can't believe there's a real conversion and people really can be changed and live better lives without all this deep darkness and scary stuff going on even on the inside. There are people, they just don't believe that. They don't believe you. When you say, how you doing, man? Great. Praise God. Every day's a gift. They don't believe you because they've never seen one a day like that. But listen to a former sinner raised with no church. When I first found people like you, I, I wanted with everything in me to believe that you were real. I lived so dark and so tormented and so driven. I was not a good guy because of demonic forces. So when I met you, people just like you, my whole inside said, I hope they're not fake. I hope they're not fake. I need help. I would tell my Vicky, my, I married Vicky at 18. I met her at 13. And we've been married uh, 51 years this May. And, uh, yeah, praise God. Amen. And so 
You know, it's like I told Vicky. I said, Vicky, this, uh, these church people, you think they're faking it? Because we had met, you know, I'd met so-called Christians, not too many, but they drank my beer. They cussed like I did. You know, who, I smoked heavy then. Some of them smoked. And so I'd look at them and I'd look at me and I thought, there's not much difference between them and me in what I see. Now they talk a good thing. And, uh, sure, but I don't see much difference. Right? And so that could have literally postponed my salvation. So I'm going to tell you one story. You may, if you follow me, or on television, or my books, or something. You might have heard this story. I might have told this story before here. And I'm going to tell you about a story about the old Mark Barclay and how and why, because I want you to see how important it is that you're not a fake Christian. Now, I know you're not fake in here. If you gave your life to Christ, you meant it. And you will, you will never denounce him. You will say, I belong to Jesus. He's my Lord. But you gotta be, you gotta get fixed. Because you're being watched. You're the light of the world. The darker it gets, the more you're going to show up. The more you're going to stand out, in other words. So, I drank really bad. I, I was an alcoholic at nine years old. I still remember sitting on the little doctor's bench in our, our home, little village, northern village where I was raised. Sitting there, my mama was there. Our family doctor was Dr. Wilson. Of course, he's long, you know, died now. And uh, he turned to my mama and he said, uh, her, my mama's name was Lena. Lena, uh, your son is bleeding inside from alcohol. If you don't get him off from it, he'll, this is how he said it, he'll never see 18, 19, 20 years old. That was about nine. People hear me say this. They said, come on, doc. How, it, it, how do you become an alcoholic at nine? Well, that's not hard. You must have not been raised in a drinking family. Drinking family, there's booze everywhere, left in the cups, cup holders, on the counter, in the cupboard, in the refrigerator. Are you kidding me? Are you that numb? And I hope you are. But that wasn't my story. Then, before my mama died, my mama was like just a few days before 90 years old. A couple of years back, my mama died about a year. I don't know, somewhere in there before she died. I said, Mom, I need to ask you a question. I think she knew it was coming. Her eyes all watered up. I, she goes, what is it? I said, how on earth does a nine-year-old kid become an alcoholic and already bleeding inside? She hung her head in her little rocking chair. And she said, son, I want, I knew you'd ask me this someday. And, uh, I want to tell you, I tried to stop them. I said, stop who? Well, your relatives, all being heavy drinkers, thought it was cool that you had your little bibs on that you ran around in and you had your little, you know, bottle in your back pocket because you weren't totally weaned yet. So I put juice in there. And then you'd run around and take a hit once in a while, you know, and go play. And they thought it was cool, and they put alcohol in that bottle. Because they thought it was really cool that you started slurring and staggering around and falling down and bump. And then they'd all laugh. And I'd catch them, but by the time I caught them, you had already drank it. And that's how you got addicted so bad to alcohol. 
So, uh, I'm a Marine leader. I just come back from Vietnam. And God said, you leave these people and you find my people and you never leave my people. That was 1972 and a half. And I, I did. I couldn't find you right away because I was still in Vietnam. But when I come back, I hunted you down. You, God's people. I hunted you down and I found you. And that was in the, in the 70s. And I have never left the house of God. I'll never leave you. Amen. I'm never leaving God's house. Never. But you know, uh, just because you're born again, that don't mean you're fixed yet. You know that, right? You're not fixed yet. Man, I was a mess. I mean, the only thing that qualified me at first being a Christian was my confession. I claimed Christ. But I did everything else I did before. I was mean. I hurt people. You know. Uh, now, once I got water baptized, I have never shot, stabbed, choked, or hurt anybody physically since I got water baptized. Rejoice. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Something happened in that baptismal tank that that darkness was broken. But I wasn't fixed. It took you. It took you to set a guy like me free. It did. The preacher tried hard. One preacher, two preachers, they can't fix all of us. That's why you got to grow up, my friend. you got to be a disciple. You can't be a fake confessing one thing and living a different way. Sure, start that way. You can't help it till you become a disciple. But, but become one, praise God, and overcome all this stuff. And then you can lead other people into the presence and the deliverance of God. Guys like me. Guys like me. So uh, I, I got born again. I started going to church. I got water baptized. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, I got water baptized mm, somewhere back there in the 70s. I got the date written down, but I have never lost my temper once since I've been water baptized. That's right. You can ask my wife, my kids, my staff. Well, that went away. There's hope for all of you that still throw tantrums and lose your temper. Now, everybody gets angry about something, but you can't sin when you get angry. You learn not to. You're, but So I still had this drinking problem. I didn't want it. I never wanted it. As a teenager, I came home drunk almost every night of the week, and I knew I was ashamed to my mother. My daddy got sick and died when I was young. And uh, But my mom did her best with four demon-driven Barclay boys. But uh, I knew I was ashamed to my mom. That bugged me. That hurt me. I didn't want my mom to be ashamed. My mother never told me in her whole life she was ashamed of me. Not once. But I knew it. I knew it as a sinner kid. I couldn't be. My mama can't be proud of me the way what I'm doing. And, and no. So I've always, even before I met Jesus, I didn't want that booze in my system and what it did to me. I don't know. That's why I don't understand. I'm not judging you or anybody. I just don't understand why someone is born again and you and you love Jesus and you flirt with the enemy that I had to kill to get rid of. Be careful with that. Be smart. Anyways, so with all my heart, Pastor David, I wanted to believe that none of you drank. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a baby Christian. That's all I am at that time. 
and I knew, I know me, if I found one real Christian in this church that drank, I would probably never get free. Now, you might not be that way. That's how I was. I knew it somehow. And I told Vicky, Vicky, if these people drink, they're not going to fool us. Number one, we don't need any friends like that. We've got a lot of friends like that. We're finding a church to get rid of that and find Christians who love Jesus and live the, the Bible. And so, I, don't do this. This is how dumb I was. Don't do it. So, the only way I knew in those days to find out if everybody drank or not was to run recon missions. So I reconnoitered the church family. Yeah, that's right. Marines, man. If you let us, we can, we can look like the bush in your front road. We can look like the rose bush in your front yard. We can look like half of your garage wall if we need to. Depends on the mission with camouflage and clothing. And so I just, I know it's dumb. Don't do this. Do not do this. So I just brought all my gear in the trunk of my car on the way to church. And then after church, I would, uh, I'd slip out, get my gear on, and, uh, and I'd follow families home to see who would stop and get a six pack or a bottle of wine or whiskey. Not because I wanted to catch them. I prayed, Lord, help me not to ever, I just don't want to know it. I, please, Lord, let this be a real church that can get me free. Finally, maybe, I was like, I don't know, maybe 21 then, 20, 22 at that time. Lord, all of my life I've been, I've been bound with this and I hate it. I hate what it does to me. I hate how I feel. I, I can't be a good husband to Vicky. I love Vicky. I'm in trouble. Let this be the real Christians that can get me free. But if they're drinkers, they're, they, how are they going to free me if they're not free? That's like, you know, and so I, I don't do this. And I would never do this today. I know better, but I actually did it. So I followed every family home. Took, it wasn't a big church, so it didn't take me but a few weeks. And uh, I remember one time it was an evening service. It was that time of the year where it got dark early. And so I got out, got on my gear, camoed up, and drove to this guy's house. Waiting for them to come, you know, seeing if they're going to carry in any booze. Not to, not to be a bad guy. I was hoping they weren't drinking because that told me they were real and they're going to, and I, I didn't, I, with everything in me, Pastor David, I didn't want to lose heart that maybe finally I'm around people that can get me free from something that at age 21 or two has already ruined my life. Maybe this is my day. Maybe this is, maybe this is my hope finally coming to pass. So I'm in this guy's yard, and I didn't. he came home quicker than I thought. Marines should be better than that. And uh, so I had to duck behind a bush, but I was camouflaged like his bush. And it's getting dark, you know, and he got out of the car. You know, people don't get out of the car and inspect their bushes. Or, or do you? Some of you look like, they don't? I always do. It's like, okay. <laughs> Woo! And he bumped into me. And all I, when he bumped into me, all I could think of, when my pastor finds out, because my first pastor, he's full-blooded Cherokee, 
and he was raised on the reservation. And he used to tell me, do you want the Bible or the hatchet? Oh, he never laughed like you just did. And I believed. I thought, do they still? I mean, do they scalp people? You know, I'm just a dumb kid from the north. I don't know. But I believed him. So all I could think of when that guy bumped into me, when pastor finds out what I'm doing right here, I'm a dead man. This is not going to be good. But he bumped into me and he looked really good around and and, uh, didn't see me. And so he went in the house. What did you do? Man, I evacuated. I mean, I got out of there as fast as I possibly could. But I found out he wasn't carrying any booze. So there's one family left. That was the pastor's family. So I get up this boldness, Bernie. Pastor Bernie. I get up this boldness. So I go ring Pastor Billy's doorbell. He comes out. He goes, he always called me Sergeant. Sergeant, what are you doing here? I said, well, I know we don't make a habit of just dropping by your house, Pastor. I know you need your family and privacy and all, but but I need to ask you a question. He goes, well, what is it? I said, uh, do you drink? He's the only guy I hadn't checked out yet. Do you drink? He goes, you mean like alcohol? Now, my brain where I live was like, my thought was, you think we're talking about Pepsi Cola or something? <laughs> yes, alcohol. He goes, Mark, we don't drink, man. A lot of us used to, but we're Christians. We got free. I said, you don't ever drink? No. I don't think any of us do. I think you could. Man, I about fell to my knees when he said, I think you could probably check on the whole church family. Thank you. <laughs> How do I tell you, Pastor, I've already done this? Yeah. Yeah. He said, no. I said, nobody in that church drinks. You know, drinkers have phrases like on the wagon, we're dry. I said, you try and tell me that every man in that church is on the wagon. He goes, well, if that means they don't drink, that's what I'm telling you, except for there's one. And he stared in my eyes. It's like, "Mm, he's talking about me. (laughs) Took me a minute. Not too long. He's staring. He goes, well, there's one. And then it dawned on me, and I just I hung my head. And he said, but Mark, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. You're not the only one in this church that has had issues that hurt your life, habits that hurt your life. If you let us, if you allow us to do it, we're going to help you get rid of that. We have the power to get rid of that. And you know they did? They did. They did. We went on a fast. The elders gave me some verses. You know, the Bible's powerful. And then uh, they said, well, you gotta, you got to fast. Break the power of the flesh. So I did. But we had this little lady in our church. You, you know my story. You know me so long. We called her Sister Pentecost. Because I think some of us thought she was that old. That she was at the day of Pentecost. And so, and then... I mean, she was the most powerful spiritual person I think any of us wrongdoers ever met. And so one day after church, Sister Pentecost, little old Pentecostal, she's only about this tall. Well, maybe that tall, and then over the years she got about that tall. 
And she came right up to me and stood right here, grabbed me by the shirt. And she's looking up and I'm looking down. And she says, how you doing with that booze, sonny boy? Now, I may have been a drunk, but I wasn't a liar. I said, ma'am, not very well. Well, what are you doing about it? I said, well, I'm fasting. Going to break the power of it. I got some verses on how to get free, and I'm going to get free finally. So she looked at me, and she said, uh, what are you fasting? I said, you know, hamburgers, pizza, you know, staple food of those days. And uh, she looked at me and stared at me for a bit, and I'm looking down, and she goes, all you are is a hungry drunk. <laughs> and my mind said, man, this woman's got discernment. For real. I was starving. I could have ate McDonald's and the box and the bag. And she said, well, son, is it hamburgers you want delivered from? I said, no, ma'am. Pizza? No, ma'am. Noodles? No, ma'am. Oh, then if you want to get rid of alcohol, why don't you fast alcohol? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I think I'll give that a whirl. And you know it worked? It worked. So my pastor found out what Sister Pentecost told me. And he said, now, listen, Mark, if you're going to, are you going to really fast? I said, yeah, I'm going to start right after work tonight. You know, we didn't drink on the base while we're working. And so right after work, instead of going getting six-pack, I'm just going to go on a fast. I'm going home, and I'm just going to fast. He goes, I tell you what, you fast all night long, and I'm going to stay up all night and pray for you, and I'm going to fast with you. We're going to break this thing. Yeah, oh, man, thanks, Pastor. So about 6 in the morning, I'm getting ready, you know, go to the base. I still work for the Marines. And so I'm on my way to go deal with recruits and stuff like I did. And so I get there, or I get ready. You know, we didn't have cell phones in those days. Actually, I don't think we had anything in those days. But so my phone rang. I picked it up. He goes, this is Pastor. Oh, hi, Pastor. Did you make it through the night? Yes, sir, I did. First night in a long, long time. I said, this stuff really works. He goes, well, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm on my second Budweiser. <laughs> this preacher was so smart. He said, now you listen to me. You listen to me, Mark. About midday, the devil's going to come and beat you up. And he's going to tell you it didn't work. And he's going to tell you you're doomed. And he's going to tell you there's no way out of you for this. And the church doesn't know what they're talking about. And he went right down the list. And he said, when he comes, you tell him. You open your mouth and you tell him clearly. You shut up. I made it through the night all evening long. And one night, the first time in probably most of my lifetime, I didn't have to have alcohol. You shut up, devil, because next time I'm going two nights. That's what pastor told me. He said, now, when you're ready, don't you condemn yourself, son. You'll get rid of it. He said, now you're on a run. When you're ready to fast again, give me a call. So I did. I don't know. Three or four days later, went on another fast. Made it almost a week. And then drank again. Pastor was so strong. He said, now, Mark, remember what I taught you. When the devil comes, 
That's, that's not. You tell him, no, you shut up, Mr. Devil. I want a whole week. I've never done that in my whole life. Basically. I mean, I didn't through boot camp, but you know what I mean. And so, uh, then I went one time, the next time, 90 days. And somewhere there in the mid-70s, I have it written down, I took my last drink, and I, I went on a fast like I was being trained to do. I went on a fast, and I haven't touched alcohol since because I'm totally, absolutely free. Amen. And you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna tempt me if you try to buy me a beer. You're not gonna tempt me if you offer me wine. You're not gonna, you're not gonna really bother me if you drink in front of me. I, I wish you wouldn't for your sake, but I, but I'm free. When you're free from something, you're free. You, you can't be tempted. I, I, I don't go around saying, my name is Mark. I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm not. That's the old Mark. He died. I was there. This is the new Mark. Freedom because of people like you. Clap real good. Come on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.